0: Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway, featuring live music performances on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Trey Hatch. And this hour, our show will highlight the rare feat of sound engineering and old world craftsmanship of a tonally matched string trio made by master luthier Peter Paul Prier. These two new violins and a viola will be played by three musicians from the Utah Symphony. Today with us, we have Scott Lewis on viola, David Park on violin, and Becca Mensch on violin. This program, we invite you to listen in particular for each individual sound of each individual instrument, as well as the blend of voices unique to these instruments because they are actually a tonal family. Our special guest today is the violin maker Peter Prier. As one of the youngest graduates of the Bavarian Violin Making School of Germany, uh, Peter came over to this country on June 10, 1960. And uh, he was on the Hanseatic ship with a violin in his hand and eventually settled in Salt Lake City. He came originally as an instrument repairman for Pierce Music Company, and within five years, he'd opened his own violin shop and had landed a position as a violinist with the Utah Symphony, under the direction of Marisa Bravinel. Peter Prier founded the Violin Making School of America in 1972, and we're going to be talking a little bit about this later. But he wanted to share the art of violin making with students here in the United States. And that desire turned into the opening of what is now considered one of the best schools in the world. So 40 years later, this venerated school is now celebrating its 40th anniversary with nearly 217 graduates worldwide. So let's introduce Peter Prayer. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you with us.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to be here today.
0: We're going to start off the show with an introduction to the sound of the viola. And that'll be coming up shortly, Peter. Tell us what we're going to be hearing in the viola, and what we should listen for in particular to this voice of this tonally matched trio.
1: These are quite, quite big questions you ask, but um, it's it's a violin violin makers uh, tremendous effort to make instruments sound well and to be combined each other rather than just making an instrument everybody can do that that's not very hard but to uh, tonally match a quartet or the the trio as you said today is very difficult the first violin the second violin the third violin of course the viola is a very very interest instrument the viola has to be the combi- com- combination between the violin and the cello. And the viola is probably the most difficult to make because of its size, because of its inert qualities of trying to be less productive, less smooth instrument. And so because of that the viola is very difficult to make.
0: So this viola will actually connect the sounds of the other instruments that are coming. Correct. Let's listen to the viola now on its own and allow our listeners to sort of absorb the sound of this particular instrument. We'll be hearing the Largo in D minor, transposed by our uh, player, Scott Lewis, into G minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. (laughs) ... Been listening to the Largo in G minor by Johann Sebastian Bach, played by Scott Lewis. We have in with the studio with us today the maker of the viola that you've just been hearing, Peter Paul Preer. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I neglected to say earlier that some of the instruments made by Mr. Preer uh, are played by famous concert soloists such as Lord Yehudi Menuhin, Joseph Silverstein, soloist and conductor and soloist uh, Daniel Heifetz, as well as many, many others. So, Peter, we listened carefully to that viola for its warm sound, and we're going to hear it in combination with other instruments in a moment. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the violin that we're going to hear next.
1: The violin we will hear... Actually, let me just say one more thing about this viola. Yeah. The sound was beautifully round and full, which is very important It has to be. But what is very interesting is the choosing of this viola. I I took a modeling of a uh, Gaspar de Salo of 1589. That's how early that instrument was made. And it sounded so well. I thought, I need to try to make an instrument of this caliper.
0: So even in the process of choosing the model that you're going to make an instrument from... Uh, you had in mind the design of combining four voices together. That's
1: right. You're right on. It's uh,
0: So tell us a little bit about the violin we're going to hear now.
1: Okay, the violin you hear today, it is uh, very important that the violin is matching now what you heard on the viola. And that is quite a challenge. It's not so easy. But it is makeable. It is capable to be done. The instrument is the Ferni del Gesù of 1732. I took the model of it and it uh, was very successful. I have made it quite a few times but as a quartet that's the first time.
0: So the model chosen for the violin is intentional to match the viola.
1: That's correct.
0: Okay, let's go right to it. Let's hear the Largo from Winter of the Four Seasons, of course, by Antonio Vivaldi, and will be favored by hearing from David Park on the violin. We've just heard The Largo from Winter of the Four Seasons by Antonio Vivaldi, David Park on violin with Able Assists from Scott Lewis on viola, and Becca Mench as well. I'm Trey Hatch, and this is Highway 89. The maker of the instruments you just heard is with us today, and I welcome Peter Preer.
1: Nice to have you be here.
0: Thank you. Uh, I want to let our listeners know that in addition to being a fascinating uh, guest and learning more about the actual process of making instruments, I am also honored because you're my dad. And so I get to, oh, nice. I get to enjoy to, uh, um, asking you some questions. I'd l- like to let our listeners know that in addition to uh, growing up with watching you make instruments, one of the pleasures was going into your workshop when I was young And watching the look on your face when you're covered in wood shavings and the smell of the varnish was in the air, I know that this expression on your face was just pure joy and contentment and fulfillment. Tell me, what is it about the art of violin making that attracts you?
1: I wake up in the morning, and all I can think about is to make violins, to make a certain process of the violin, to make the tonal process of a violin. And that really turns me on. I just <laughs> love it.
0: <laughs> that kind of passion's fabulous. So we have with us today three instruments. Out of a total of four, there's an actual quartet of tonally matched instruments. I introduced this, but tell us more about this. Why is this so unique to have instruments that are created to actually sound good together?
1: Thank you. takes a little time to get this all put together. Uh, the the uh, first violin is generally the soprano. It, it creates the melodies, it creates the theme of the music which is being played however it also alternates with the f- second violin the viola or the cello
0: similar to a soprano alto That's tenor correct. and bass voice right mm-hmm.
1: the second violin is generally a, a, a little larger which makes it a fraction darker sound it is important that this particular instrument enhances the work of the first violin It is very, very good to be able to accomplish that. When you make an instrument, you have to really think about the tone, the pitch, the vibration of the instrument. And I find out that the pitch of the instrument is most likely uh, created by the wood itself.
0: And now you brought some wood with you I today, right? I did bring right? some
1: wood with me. Will
0: you demonstrate for us, for our listeners, so they can actually hear what that sounds like, uh, when you're selecting these plates of wood, and and what kinds of wood are we going to hear,
1: Peter? The first one you hear is a maple.
0: Would this the, be the front or the back?
1: This is the back of the instrument. And it is really quite a... Uh, old piece of wood you can see how brown it is on one side this happens to be about 118 years of age this piece right here and so i pitch it i put my two fingers about one third down and i tap it
0: and so what we're hearing is a thump 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 to most ears and what are you hearing
1: Well, good, I'm glad you asked this. I'm hearing this sustaining note. It's not a thump-thump. It's a dum-dum-dum sound, which gives it about half a second to a second of ringing quality of this piece. The reason it's that old is because it's totally dry. It has no more moisture in it. And that is what makes the instruments sound more easy when you play them.
0: And you have a second plate with you yes, also? Yes, I have, Let's yes. Let's listen to the difference between the first thump, thump, thump and the next one.
1: This is a piece of spruce which has been uh, joined in the middle, and uh, it's a little louder. It's uh, Let me see if I can get it.
0: What are you hearing there?
1: What I'm hearing is that it's slightly darker, slightly lower in pitch, and it is um, more vibrant.
0: And so this piece of wood hear... that you're holding right now would be the back?
1: The top. The top. That's the top. The top. This is the top. Then it re- receives the F-holes. and receives a base bar.
0: And where does this wood come from?
1: This Very good. I'm glad you asked this. These pieces of wood... Came from northern Italy, from the southern Alps. And uh, they're.
0: So you can't just use any old.
1: No, but, well, you can, but. Rescue Barnwood? But you don't have the, the same um, quality of sound. Uh, there people make instruments, but to make them so that they come out four wonderful or three wonderful instruments. That's a challenge, and that has to be better than that.
0: So most makers make an instrument to be sold by itself as a standalone instrument. That's right. And the three we're hearing today, you actually changed uh, the models and selected the models That's and you changed the actual specifications That's to correct. tonally match
1: each That's other. That's right. For instance, the, the second violin is a Stradivari model of 1726. And uh, that is a little broader, a little bit, Broader in, in sound and makes it slightly darker in sound. So that against towards the first violin, the quality of sounds. I find that uh, the, the instrument um, modeling is often also in, adherent to the uh, density of the spruce and the density of the, the, the maple.
0: So the, the kind of wood, the age of the oh, wood, yeah.
1: the pitch much.
0: of the wood, the modeling. Tell me a little bit about what you did then when you started making this instrument, uh, one at a time. What did you do to them to tonally match them?
1: Okay, the, the first violin happened to be the, sec- the, the second violin I made. And so the
0: first violin that you crafted, cre-
1: crafted for that is quartet, our second violin. Today. The second violin, and uh, what I did on this one is very simply uh, trying to get the pitch of each plate more according to what it should be. Uh, what is the the pitch of this uh, the second vi- violin? Pitch of the top and the back is the back is a little higher. It's more for strength purposes. And uh, it is a little higher. It's an F, F sharp. The top of the instrument is an E.
0: So a violin isn't just a violin as a violin. They don't all sound alike. They all will sound very different.
1: Yeah, they have to sound differently because there are some weaknesses within each instrument. It's called the wolf note. And that wolf note has to be, I have to hide it. So it is not visible.
0: And so a wolf note is something that that a player doesn't o, want to produce. Over-exaggeration
1: over exaggeration of the F or C note or the e, A note. On the viola and on the, and the violins is C note, and on the cello it's F note. And I like to hide those, that they don't show up on the finished instrument.
0: So do you hear in your head, while you're producing them, how you want it to result? Can you hear that tonal sound?
1: I can't, but I can come mighty close. After making so many instruments, I come mighty close to come very close to where I want to be and where it should be.
0: So I understand this isn't the first time you've actually created instruments to tonally match each other as That's a family. Correct. Yes. You've done this before.
1: Yes, I have.
0: And today we have with us two of your violins, the first and the second violin, which would be the soprano and the alto. Yes. And a viola, which gives us our tenor or our bass. Let's uh, also mention that you have a cello as part of this quartet. Yes. That will be featured in upcoming concerts.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: So, uh, Peter, let's get into some more music. And uh, the next number we're going to hear allows us to hear the blend of the voices of the violin and the viola together. We're going to be listening to the Passacaglia by George Frederick Handel, arranged for violin and viola by Johan Halverson. Our violinist is David Park. Our violist is Scott Lewis. We've been listening to the Passacaglia by George Frederick Handel, arranged for violin and viola by Johann Halverson. David Park is our violinist, and Scott Lewis is on viola. We're back with the maker of the instruments we've been listening to, Peter Prier. And I wanted to ask you further, Peter about the actual process of making instruments, since many of our listeners don't have the opportunity to watch you in your workshop, as I did, because you are my dad. I want to share with them a little bit about that process. Tell us, how many hours does it take to make a violin?
1: To make a good violin, (laughs) pitched a proper way...
0: Do you make any other kind,
1: other than good ones? I I can't. I stepped on one of them one time. (laughs) And so that was the end of that. But fact is, it takes about 200 to 220 hours to make a violin or viola. It takes about 400 hours to make a cello, because it's seven times the size of the violin.
0: That sounds like it's a lot of physical exertion, it's, actually, oh yes, to just yes, carve out. lots of muscle.
1: Out. Lots of muscle used.
0: But you were telling me earlier, and I was surprised to hear this, the actual weight of a fully finished violin is is how much?
1: It's approximately b- one pound and approximately 60 grams. Just, just it's a violin. A and because now we have uh, vo- uh, chin rests, we have now ebony pegs, and all these things from the Baroque time have increased the weight.
0: But in general, this is pretty light compared to the light. size of this. This it Actually, is. it's a wooden box. It's
1: light. Yes, it is. Now, the piece I just heard amazed me how well the two instruments sounded together because the viola is supposed to be something else than the violin, and they sounded well together, which I'm very, very pleased because it is the pitching of the plates and, of course, the performers who played these instruments made these two instruments sound as well as they did.
0: Have you ever been working on one of these hundred-year-old pieces of wood and made a mistake?
1: Yes, I have. What
0: happens in that instance? What well, can you, do?
1: You, you have two choices. Either you, you repair that, which can be done, or you just throw it away and... <laughs> Use it for firewood. Start over. Start over again.
0: And and are these piece, pieces of wood expensive?
1: Very imp- important. Teresa, they're very, very important. The, the two pieces I uh, plucked, uh-huh. the one is about $600 and the other piece is $200.
0: So in a they're previous expensive. segment, we heard you actually tapping these yeah, pieces tapping of wood yes. to hear yeah. the pitch that they made. Yes, So where so much more goes into the selection of the wood and the modeling and the actual Mm -hmm. craftsmanship of these instruments so that they do blend like we just heard, Mm -hmm. what possibly got a hold of you that you wanted to do this not just once but a second time? What made you want to make tonally matching? Well, it's a
1: challenge. It is something very, very important to me personally Mm -hmm. to find two pieces of wood which will make the first violin, the second violin, the viola, and the cello. Because all four instruments are different models. They're entirely different qualities of work, which I have to apply on the instruments. And on top of that, then comes the varnish, then comes the setup. The setup is the toughest of them all. Setup means that, that the, uh, uh, the person who plays the instrument feels comfortable.
0: So that would include what? The bridge and the strings? Strings,
1: and... that's right. Bridge, strings, tonal adjustments, the fingerboard extension, all these things. So when the fingers go down, that it will be in top shape.
0: Did you intend for this uh, quartet of instruments, and today we're hearing three of them, to be uh, kept together?
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did.
0: So are they with one owner now?
1: They are with one owner. Uh, It was commissioned by Douglas Meredith and uh, his family. They have eight children, and they wanted to have two violins, a viola, and a cello.
0: So regardless of who plays on them, when the repertoire is played by these four instruments, it will sound blended together. Is, I would hope so. Is, is that the goal of creating a, a tonally matched quartet? That's
1: the goal. Uh, then we do have one more thing, and that is the individuals who play the instrument. There is an aggressive player, there is a mediocre, uh, not mediocre, but a, a medium lovely player, and then, then there is often a soft player.
0: So different degrees of intensity will that's affect right.
1: That's what we'll, we'll how do to the instrument, that's correct.
0: So, so many factors to consider while you're putting together instruments that blend together. Uh, for so many of us, this is, this is fascinating because we, we aren't necessarily aware that there's so much difference between oh. the sounds of different instruments oh, of the yes. same family.
1: If I can say one more thing, that is, the uh, pressure on the bridge is one of the most important things for an instrument when it's set up. The pressure on the violin happens to be approximately 42 to 48 pounds. On the viola, it's 52 to 58 pounds. On the cello, we don't even want to know. It's very, very, very heavy.
0: So you adjust the pressure of strings over that bridge that's pressing that bridge down onto the top of the 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 instrument. Correct. So Peter, we're going to have the privilege now of hearing all three instruments together tell us very, very quickly uh, if there's anything special we should be listening for.
1: Well, I feel that uh, the specialness of this this particular piece is every every one, every soloist, all three of them are soloists. All of them have a, the, the melody and that particular sound they want to portray at this particular time.
0: So we'll hear each individual voice within the piece as well as the blend of them together? That's
1: correct, yes.
0: We'll be hearing the first and third movements of the Terzetto, opus 74 by Antonin Dvorak. Our violinists are Becca Mensch and David Park. Our violist is Scott Lewis. Been hearing the first and third movements of the Terzetto Opus 74 by Antonine Dvorak, played by Becca Minch and David Park on violin and Scott Lewis on viola. This performance also marks the 40th anniversary of the Violin Making School of America, and we've been lucky enough to have the school's founder, Master Luthier Peter Prier with us in the studio today. I should also mention that Peter Prier has constructed 182 violins 17 violas 39 cellos two basses, and three classical guitars in his career on behalf of classical 89 and as your daughter congratulations dad on 40 years of teaching your craft we've also been fortunate to hear from three fantastic musicians from the utah symphony david park on violin becca mensch on violin and our violist has been Scott Lewis. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your brilliance with us. We always welcome your comments and questions about this show. For information, please email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. The recording engineers were Mark Waite and Juan Mejares. The show's producer is Jackie Tatayishi. I'm Trey Hatch. Thanks for tuning in.